What is going on, my fellow geeks? Three movies with elves and a guy with a white beard. Not a lot of people accept it as canon. 2022 will be the year of Star Wars. Well, I have more than just one piece of geek news. I have been Isaac Hunter. Which is like high culture, but better. Hello, geeks, and welcome back to another episode of Raving Geeks, the weekly pop culture pop podcast where we talk about all things geeky and geek culture, which is like high culture, but better. Uh, we are back in season seven with our second episode of the season. Um, if you're just joining us, welcome to Raving Geeks podcast. If you've been here for a while, welcome back. Uh, my name is Hope Goodero, and I am joined with my co-host, who will introduce himself in a second. Um, and if you like this episode, you can check us out on um, any platform where you find podcasts like uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can check it out at cm-life.com. And on YouTube, just search Central Michigan Life Podcasts, Raving Geeks. Uh, so we are here today to talk about, if you are on YouTube, I got my She-Hulk behind me. But before we start that, we're going to have, uh, both of us are going to answer our question of the week, which is, who is your favorite female hero or villain? Mm, that's a hard one. Uh, by the way, I'm Carter Sally, and I'm joined here with Hope. And I'm super excited to talk about some geeky stuff with you. Um, I don't really have a particular favorite because there are a lot of favorite female superheroes, but one that comes to mind is Scarlet Witch. I've always been a huge fan of her and how she uses magic. And um, I think she's been, she was severely underrated until the MCU in, uh, introduced her into the story. And I always loved her because... Uh, her magic has just got a really unique sort of proportion to it, and the colors and effects always in the comic books look super, super pretty, and that she's got one of the most unique uh, relationships in the comic books, being married to an android named uh, The Vision, and I always loved the relationship that always went with them, and that she's just a super intriguing character. Yeah, nice. Um, I also love Wanda. Um, honestly, I think the show WandaVision made me love her even more, um, especially because uh, Elizabeth Olsen did such a brilliant job going between both like having the accent, not having the accent, Wanda going through the different time periods of TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that my, I'm actually gonna say my favorite female villain is uh, probably gonna be Royal Pain from Sky High, if anybody remembers that somewhat old movie. Um, but also, I really love Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Yeah, she's a she's a great character. Yeah, as she like, I think Margot Robbie just is able to add a little bit more depth to um, the character of Harley Quinn, especially like with the new movies coming out um, that DC has done. And then like also after like she broke up with Joker or she called him Mr. J and um, like coming back in the Suicide Squad, like I thought her character was just perfect, so. Yeah, yeah, really nice. All right, so 
now we have we always have some geek news to share with y'all so carter would you like to go first yeah i actually have a couple of pieces most of them are dc actually so my first piece of news is that the president of dc films uh, walter hamada has left uh, warner brothers and discovery to michael zaslav so that's already pretty interesting um Walter Hamada was a very controversial figure for Warner Brothers Discovery, was what it's now being called. Um, he was a person who didn't want us to have a Man of Steel 2 for quite a while. But now that he's left, uh, DC Films said that they are continuing with Superman and they're making a Man of Steel 2 sometime soon, which is a great, great step in the right direction. Um, I'm very excited about that. Uh, another piece of news that came out is that they are working on a Flash 2, which is incredibly striking to me, given recent events with Ezra Miller and how the Flash movie has been developing. Um, I don't know why they're continuing with the Flash character. I would have stepped away from that character for uh, at least a little bit of time. Um, I mean, if they're keeping it under wraps that they have recast Ezra Miller um, to make a another flash movie then i could understand that but if they're sticking with ezra miller um especially with their uh, whole legal issues and other joyous events yes. um like well they I, can actually because uh, ezra miller is facing 29 years in prison right now so yeah. i think they're going to have to recast um who, who would you want as flash I have seen some fan castings, um, both for Grant Gustin, just getting him to continue playing Flash. Um, but I've seen Dylan O'Brien, and I think Dylan O'Brien would be a really interesting choice. I really um, want Dylan O'Brien. I think that I think he'd be a very great choice for Barry Allen. Yeah. I think uh, he played Percy Jackson, if I'm correct. Nope, that was Logan Lerman. Oh, Logan Lerman, yeah. No, Dylan O'Brien um, was in the Teen Wolf TV series. Oh, yeah, that's right. Along that's with a right. few other uh, movies. That's right. Um, but I think he'd be a great casting choice for Flash. Um, but, yeah, if they do Grant Gustin, good for him. Um, I don't really want that to happen. I prefer they go with an unknown actor and just completely start from scratch. But, hey, whatever yeah. they choose, they choose. Um, and other news is that the Batman 2 is officially happening. The Batman is Woo. finally confirmed to get a sequel. And that other DC villains like Joker are getting their own movies. And a couple of standouts were Scarecrow and Professor Pig. Um, I'm really happy for Scarecrow getting his own film because he is my favorite DC supervillain of all time. And Professor Pig, I think, could be really interesting if they go with the Hannibal Lecter route because... I don't know how they're going to do a Professor Pig movie because he's a, a very violent character. And if you ever watched Gotham and the whole meat pie scene, yeah. he'll get under your skin. Yeah. Uh, so I do want those films to happen. I do prefer if they went with the Arkham TV show route that they were going to do initially. I think that would be better fit. And I love anthology series as per last week, we talked about Tales from the Crypt. I love the anthology format. I think it would fit better, but it, judging by Joker, and if they keep that good momentum going, you know, I, I'll have no complaints, just make a good movie. 
Um, and I think that's it for my news, actually. Oh, yeah. And Black Adam's coming out this Friday. So Yes, it is. Everybody, go see Black Adam. Please support this movie so we can have a good start to a new DC universe. We really need it. <laughs> really, well, also, really need hopefully, it. with the new um, CEO person in charge, like maybe they can turn some things around for... Well, I have my own opinions about him. Um, but that's like a completely different story, which I will not waste our time with. But I have a few opinions on David's ass laugh, which okay. I will reserve for a different time. All right. Um, so in other geek news, if I'm remembering correctly, The Boys is part of DC, but I could be very wrong. So don't quote me on that. Um, but The Boys season two is going to be debuting two new soups. We're going to get Firecracker and Sage. Uh, Firecracker is going to be played by Valerie Curry, and Sage is going to be played by Susan Hayward. And while little is known about either character at this stage, um, their respective code names, along with the tweet's text, indicate that Sage is a clairvoyant, while Firecracker's powers are pyrokinetic in nature. Um, so I'm super excited to see two new female suits on the boys, um, especially considering everything that has been happening within the seasons. And I won't try and spoil anything for those of you that are still catching up. Um, and so also moving into Marvel real quick is um, Marvel Zombies TV show is only gonna be four episodes long and while most of the other Marvel shows have been about six episodes to nine episodes, um, Marvel Zombies is only going to be four episodes, but it's also going to be rated R. I heard about that. Like, I love that it's going to be rated R. I think we do need more adult animation. I think that's a great thing for the adult uh, community and the animation community. I don't know why they cut it down to four episodes, though, because... I think I, part I, of it's probably special effects and how much money that would cost and so how much money they are they willing to pour into a more horror fantasy science fiction-y um tv show that's also rated r like no see like usually special effects don't really have anything to do with the amount of length of the episodes typically go for the amount of seasons it's usually that i don't I, i'm concerned that they don't have enough story to tell and it's just going to be a very lackluster show. And I don't want that to happen because I hope that they, for Marvel Zombies, they don't strict too close to the MCU. With Marvel Zombies, you have all these different characters that you can use in animation that you don't have to establish in the MCU. And I'm afraid that they're going to stick to the MCU. And since the MCU's Marvel Zombies, thanks to What If mm -hmm. TV show, established that not very many of the heroes are alive. I feel like they're not, they've kind of put themselves in a corner by setting it in the MCU. That's my only concern with it. I mean, it'll also depend on like fans' reactions to it being rated R. And like, also if it's more about like the gore and guts too, then are fans gonna react well to that? Or is it because of like swearing that's gonna be happening like in Deadpool? Um, but that one I'm actually excited for, even though I didn't fully watch What If, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to say nonetheless. It'll be an experience for both 
Marvel fans and Marvel um, Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And then also within Marvel Studios um, for the Disney Plus series Ironheart, it is rumored that Sasha Baron Cohen will be playing Mephisto. Um, and while he has been in other things, for me, Sasha Baron Cohen will always be the innkeeper in the Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe uh, version of Les Mis. Mm. Um, just, he did that so well, especially with Helena Bottom Carter um, as his wife. Yes. And then also, Harrison Ford has been cast as Thunderbolt Ross for Captain America New World Order. I saw um, that. That I don't know how to feel about that, honestly. Um, we can't so, replace Chadwick Boseman, but we can replace William Hurt. I, I don't know about that. You know, I know that Chadwick Boseman did it, a whole thing for an entire community. I don't know about that, though. And especially with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford has been known to hate, hate, hate anything Star Wars, Marvel, big budget projects kind of thing. And I don't know why he decided to take this role i actually saw this really funny meme on twitter saying that uh marvel's got harrison ford and his family at gunpoint (laughs) for this movie uh which i think is really funny because it's so out of character for harrison ford to take a role like this um i would have preferred uh crap i forgot his name now but sam elliott i would have preferred sam elliott to take the role because of his giant mustache and he just seems to fit the role more for Everett Ross. Like he can do some intimidating roles. I don't know. I'll, you know, I'll see when it happens if Harrison Ford's good in the role. I think he's going to look super goofy, all uh, red and muscular. Um, that's going to be a sight to see. And Sasha Baron Cohen, I think will crush it as Mephisto. I, I mostly know him as Borat. So I, I, I've seen a lot of the funnier side of him but you know Mephisto's got like a sixth sense of humor to him so I think Sasha can pull that off pretty well yeah um going on your Star Wars thread uh Mark Hamill actually posted about this on his Instagram as well that a California bakery made a Han Solo frozen in carbonite out of bread really (laughs) yeah and it's a six foot replica of this and so mark hamill of course was like hmm pan solo because you know it's mark hamill so what are you gonna do um and then in the world of percy jackson we have a ton of new news um coming out of rick raritan and the percy jackson series so first off we have three new actors that were cast for various roles. We have Adam Copeland as Ares, who was on WWE and is a pro wrestler. Whether he's retired or not, he still is a pro wrestler. So they're really going to have this tiny little kid take on a pro wrestler as Ares. Um, Suzanne Cryer is a Chidna. And then Jessica Parker Kennedy is Medusa. And I think that she is going to absolutely slay at that role. Mm-hmm. And then Rick Riordan also announced a new trio book that's going to be a standalone book about Annabeth, Percy Jackson, and Grover. It's called Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Chalice of the Gods. 
and it is not coming out until next September, almost October. Um, so September 26, 2023 is when it's coming out. And it will be written as more of like a middle school level, even though um, the novel itself is unfolding during Percy's senior year of alternative high school in New York. Um, but it's also after the Heroes of Olympus, but before the Trials of Apollo. Um, and so this time around, Percy is not worried about saving the world. He has a much harder quest getting into college. New Rome University requires recommendation letters from three gods, which means, yep, you guessed it, Percy has to run quests to get the letters. That sound you hear is Percy screaming into his pillow in frustration. So his first quest is the cupbearer of the gods, Ganymede, is missing his chalice. Not only is this embarrassing, but it's a potential disaster since any mortal who happens to drink from the cup will gain immortality. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover have to find the chalice and return it to Ganymede before anyone realizes it, he lost it. Um, so yeah, I am super excited for all of that. And then finally, my last piece of news, if any of y'all are fans of A Christmas Story, really old movie, got turned into a play for stage. I had to wear a stupid pink funny costume. I was not happy about it. I understand how Ralphie feels about that one. There is finally a sequel coming and it is called A Christmas Story Christmas. And it's gonna come out on HBO uh, Max on November 17th. Uh, the full trailer is coming soon. It will be rated PG. Um, so Peter Billingsley is coming back as Ralphie Parker. We have Aaron Hayes playing Sandy Parker. And then Zach Ward is back as Scott Farkas, but he's now Officer Scott Farkas. And um, you also have Scott Schwartz coming back as Flick. R.D. Robb coming back as Schwartz. Um, and then the plot line, according to IMDb, is it follows Ralphie, now an adult, who returns to the house on Cleveland Street to give his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had as a child, reconnecting with childhood friends and reconciling the passing of his old man. So they show- You know, I saw that. I saw it and I'm like, it's probably a cash grab, but I'll still watch it. Um, my only complaint is that the title's really dumb. Why didn't they just call it another Christmas story? Because I mean, Christmas you story, have... Christmas, it doesn't just roll off the tongue, and it would have been so clever to just call it another Christmas story. That way, people know it's a sequel to the original movie, but it's not doing whatever that title did. <laughs> I mean, it's a Christmas story, and I apologize to anybody who likes this movie, but I think it's ridiculous, it's stupid. So, the fact that the title for the sequel is also kind of ridiculously stupid. Um, kind of fits, but yeah, I'm gonna have to heavily disagree with you on the whole movie being stupid. See, my dad raised me on that movie, so I know that movie from head to toe. So it's a Christmas classic in our house, so we watch it every year. 
So yeah. I'll still be watching it. Yeah. Like I said, November 17th. So speaking of things that came out, are coming out, She-Hulk has officially aired the season finale. It came out um, when we're recording this on Wednesday, October 19th, last week, Thursday. Um, it wrapped up the nine episode series. We had a couple, I'll call them interesting moments uh, within the series finale, but I think it also fit in with the show and how they set it up completely. So just to start off our conversation here, Carter, what did you think of the series finale of She-Hulk? Um, did you have any like comparisons to past Marvel shows? season finales or what was the general general uh impression of it um you know i i noticed that this show's been getting a whole lot of unreasonable hate and i keep going back to this show and i look back at it and i'm like it really wasn't that bad it isn't as great as like shows like moon knight or loki but it's not the roughest i've seen the mcu um are we allowed to go into full spoilers here since gave it a week yeah i will say that if you have not watched the season finale you will be getting spoilers in this episode uh, and we'll make sure to put that in our description of this episode as well okay good uh, i'd like to start off the conversation that i feel like this show's kind of wasted potential because it i feel like this is just testing for deadpool I know that She-Hulk was self-aware in the comics, but that whole series finale, like, I liked it, and I thought the Kevin joke was cute, and I, I gotta admit, I thought that was funny that, I, I know that Kevin Feige wrote that in just as, like, a self-expression to, like, the Marvel fans, like, hey, I'm trying here. I'm not a robot, even though you might think I am. Um, it felt very Deadpool to me. Um, it's definitely something Deadpool would do, and... I know that She-Hulk does do it in the comic books. There's this very specific issue where she actually tears open the comic page that she's on and she's like telling the writers, what are you doing with my story? And I think that's what they're adapting here. But I couldn't help but feel like, I know this is just testing for Deadpool, but I could have, I would have liked to have just seen that finale when all the Hulks went at it. Cause it's been a while since we've seen like an all out Hulk fight. Um, just my opinion. Um I am going to respectfully disagree with you on this. Um, and people can take our disagreement however they want. Um, but I honestly think that like, for me, Deadpool is more like self-aware for himself, but also self-aware enough to mess with the other characters in a way that benefits that him or like seems funny to him. Whereas She-Hawk was more like, this doesn't make sense for where you have this story going. Let's get it back on track. And like taking control of her own narrative, which mm -hmm. was part of what the entire series was about too, was her taking control of her narrative, being a Hulk, being She-Hulk, um, a name that she did not get to choose for herself that eventually came to like it enough that she fought for it in court. Um, and I think I think if they had let it go on at the fourth wall break of her going and meeting robot Kevin, um, 
like when she was sitting on the floor and like talking about, okay, well, we can do this and this and this for all these different characters. I think that would have um, made it more like Deadpool, but because they kept it short and sweet and went, okay, you're right. Let's follow the storylines we had started. Um, it was def- it was more She-Hulk fourth wall breaks in intervention than Deadpool to me. And I'm honestly also happy that they didn't bring a Hulk fight into it because I think it needs to be saved for when they fully explain um, how Hulk has a son. And then when Thunderbolt Ross becomes the Red Hulk, I think that's when they'll be able to create that big you know, Hulk fighting moments better and it'll make more sense than mm-hmm. it would in the series finale of something that was like, hey, she just lost everything and, you know, is now figuring out who screwed, screwed her over and like how she can fix it on her own and, and be the badass boss woman that she is. Right. And, you know, I, I guess like my biggest complaint with this show is that there's a conflicting, um, sorry, there is conflicting tone throughout the entire show. And I felt like the show didn't really know what it was it wanted to be. What I wanted from this show was a uh, Marvel lawyer drama. And I love the stuff with Matt Murdock. I love when she was actually taking on cases. And I didn't really love the episodes that were just about her going to go find a dress. That was a little ridiculous to me. And I think her going to the wedding was a little bit ridiculous. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa we're kind of getting away from what she Hulk is. And I felt like, um, um, Jennifer's character in, in general, I, I just, I don't think she grew it as much as I wanted her to be. When she was not She-Hulk, it never really seemed like that, like Jennifer really knew what to do with herself and that She-Hulk was kind of like her entire thing. And at the end of the episode, she stays as She-Hulk. I think it would have been more powerful at the end of the episode if it was just her as Jennifer Walters. And um, the character didn't really grow as much as I wanted her to grow for me. Well, I think the other aspect you have to think about is they were doing this in nine episodes versus a whole movie. And whenever you have a TV show versus a movie, um, like even the Percy Jackson series, which I know is going to be phenomenal and I know how hard Rick Riordan is working with the studios to make sure that it's accurate. You're not going to have the same budget allotted to a TV show that you would a movie because a movie you're going to get ticket sales and advertising sales and um, merchandise sales and whatever contract you make with like different movie theaters companies. Whereas a TV show, especially on Disney Plus, where there's not commercials that you can get money back from, you're only getting the money from um, if they have it where you get it for how many views or how many times it's streamed and the fact of your subscription fees. Um, And so even though it's a Marvel itself is this huge thing and we're so used to big powerful moments like it's still going to be very much condensed more than it would be in a movie 
I think if we had a movie, they would have been able to stretch out some things a little bit more. Um, but I mean, for me, the show felt like it was more about her ex accepting kind of like Spider-Man where he has to accept that, hey, I have these powers and I really should use them for good. Um, and it's her finally being okay with being a Hulk and um, knowing that she is different now and people are gonna view her differently, but it's how she reacts to that that matters more than you know, how everybody else is reacting to her. Um, and I think that was really evident for her when she hulked out at, at the um, award ceremony. And also like when she saw the fear in everybody's eyes and then had the gun strained on her, even though they wouldn't do anything. So I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's the point of this? <clears throat> How did they get her in jail? <laughs> I, did she just I go willingly, I guess? I think so, because she realized the fear that she caused <clears throat> by hulking out like Bruce had warned her about. But because she had never felt that rage before, like that amount of rage, you know, she... Let me rephrase that. She's never felt that amount of rage while being a Hulk. Because as a female, I'm sure that she felt that type of rage. Any other time, she just did not have the Hulk whatever um, that made everything heightened and her that much scarier to people when she got angry. Um, so I think for her, she went willingly because she was like, yep, I screwed up. Let's, uh, I, I messed a bunch of things up. And also, her being a lawyer, like, I like that throughout the show, they kept her very consistent on that she followed the law. She trusted the legal system. Um, she trusted her coworkers to help her through. And she wanted to do things in a legal way versus just like, Avengers, let's go blow up some shit because you know, we need to, or because, hey, we're fighting this thing and we need to blow up, yeah, whatever. Like, she was like, no, there, there's other options for this. Yeah. Which I really liked throughout the show. I did too. And I wish that there were more of those. Um, I wish that there were more of those moments. And I think that was really what made She-Hulk a great character, that she didn't need to go into a, a big battle with fist of cuffs of pumping. Mm -hmm. um, she knew how to use what she learned in law school and yeah. applied her strengths to her own situation. Like, I loved it when she went up against Matt Murdock in the whole Frogman. I love that entire episode, not just because Matt Murdock is in it, um, but it's just yeah. because of the whole lawyer system that is whole, whole um, that is all mm -hmm. played out. And the whole uh, lawyer drama was actually really, really interesting. And if that was just the episode without going into like all the action scenes with, with Daredevil, which were awesome, I'm not complaining about that. I'm so glad we got that and their chemistry together. But if it, the whole episode was just them in the courtroom, I would have been completely satisfied and happy because of how interesting that dynamic was. Yeah, and I really liked um, how genuine the reactions were that she had between like, not only being like, I'm invested, personally invested in this because the 
defendant is someone that like I know and like I have a relationship with but also wait there's this lawyer and he just flew in from New York why what Mm -hmm. um and then realizing that oh yeah my client can still screw me over even though he's this you know his dad is biggest client or one of the biggest clients in my law firm like I really shouldn't trust everything that he says because, you know, there could be other reasons. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I thought that like that whole part because having watched other lawyer dramas, um, like that has happened before because clients not always going to tell you everything because they want you to be on their side mm-hmm. and just win on what they tell you versus the actual truth like Mm -hmm. um yeah with that uh what was your favorite episode from the season um i honestly loved the episode that she had to spend um at emil blonsky's uh retreat area without mm-hmm. her phone and then she had to reconnect with um the guy that tried to get her blood in one of the first episodes um and then just like the introduction of these little marvel characters that not everybody's gonna know because if you don't if you've never read the comics or you've never read their specific comics mm-hmm. you're not gonna know who they are necessarily but like it made the superhero business more human, even though like they weren't necessarily human, but it was like, no, you can still be a hero, but have all these human issues. And I really mm-hmm. liked that. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my favorite episode besides the Matt Murdock episode was actually the pilot episode where she was just training with Bruce Banner on how to be a Hulk and I thought that whole entire situation was really entertaining and um, I love the whole backstory with Bruce Banner building a bar with Tony Stark before he died and then he kept uh, the helmet that uh, Tony did the snap in as like a little memento and a little uh, insignias that they made in the bar and I thought that was just like really wholesome and it really built up Bruce's character because besides uh, Hawkeye I think Bruce Banner is actually the least developed Hulk um, character in the mcu and he's a main avenger probably because we know him as like the big green mean hulk and bruce banner never really got any time to shine but in this episode with smart hulk and i know a lot of people aren't really a fan of smart hulk because they say they've dumbed down hulk um i thought it was actually really humanizing for him for both of their characters so i also really liked that episode I'm going to be honest, I thought that the um, the Tony Stark Iron Man helmet was from when Tony was in space and did like the whole recording for everybody, um, like the diary entries and stuff. And I did not make the connection that it was when he did the whole snap thing and got yeah, it Yeah, because um, Pepper Potts and Morgan have that recording. Uh, based off of Endgame, you know, I wouldn't think that Pepper and Morgan would give that to Bruce, even though that Bruce was like Tony's best friend. Um, I don't think that family memento 
uh, they would be so keen on giving that away. I mean, the other thing is, is Tony Stark. And while he didn't have as many suits as he did in Iron Man 3, I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. 3? Yeah, it's 3. And but I still think because it's Tony Stark, he would have been tinkering around with something, especially after being in space. So it would not surprise me if Tony Stark had recorded a few different um, messages to different people on various mm-hmm. helmets. Um, but it does make more sense that it was the one with the snap because Smart Hulk was also the one that um, snapped and got everybody back to begin with. So right. he would have that connection to Tony of like, you know, we both did the snap, like, but I regret or like, I have these mixed emotions because I'm still alive because of snapping while being the Hulk. Meanwhile, you're dead and you have this family that you left behind. So I definitely would like to see, but I don't think we're going to get it at any point ever. Um, Like if Bruce had, like when you were talking about like developing Bruce Banner and Hulk just a little bit more, I think it would be really interesting um, to see like him having to process through all of that and being reminded that he is still alive um, even though people who cared most about are dead like Tony and Natasha especially with Hulk having a son and him having told Natasha that he can't have kids mm-hmm. like and all of a sudden he's like oh shit I got a kid uh so like I think it would be really interesting to deep dive not fully deep dive but like do some sort of dive into like all of the mixed emotions that Bruce is feeling with Mm -hmm. all of that yeah um what was your least favorite episode of the season um I really don't know if I have a least favorite or not Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that, like, I found it ironic, um, but also, like, really annoying that, um, like, the very first episode was Bruce not only Hulk-splaining, but then mansplaining, and then Jen having to be like, hello, I'm obviously different than you because I'm still Jen um, as well as then going, I'm not going to have the same emotions as you because as a female, I have to deal with this stuff on a regular basis. So I already know how to control my emotions better than you, a male who's never had to deal with these kinds of things. Um, Not to say that males don't endure, you know, various things. Mm -hmm. Um, if I could have a take on that yeah. whole situation, um, to Hulk's credit, he's never really had to like dissect another Hulk. And actually in the comic books, She-Hulk does develop another personality, just like Bruce Banner. So I thought that was really interesting that they didn't really go into that because She-Hulk does have a savage side to her and it's called Sa- uh, Savage She-Hulk. And she's really badass. 
I think uh-huh. based on the season finale, I'm gonna Kevin to go back and make sure I'm talking about the right episodes because they all start yeah. blending together. Um, when she rages out, when she hulks out, that's probably when um, the alternate personality for Hulk, for her Hulk, comes out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going to come out until they have the Hulk movies. Or yeah. Whichever, like, big combination of Hulk movies they decide to do. Or a season two of Hulk. Yeah. Uh, She-Hulk, because... Uh, Savage She-Hulk is like this gray undertone and like these green stripes and then in the comics she has like an ongoing battle in her mind where it's Jennifer Walters against her Hulk person personality and it's in a courtroom so okay. it, she's doing a trial on herself and I thought that's such a cool concept that would be so cool to see in live action and plus then we would have a Sha- uh, Savage She-Hulk fight versus uh, the Avengers or against Hulk or Abomination. I'm like, that would have been such a cool concept to see. I think, too, part of going back to um, fleshing out Bruce Banner and Hulk is the Hulk movies came out before the MCU truly became the MCU. Mm -hmm. Like, The Incredible Hulk was with, I can't remember his name, but a different actor. Edward Norton. Yeah, Edward Norton. Um, who played Bruce Banner and Hulk. And then, I mean, you had RDJ come in at the end, the end scene credit, and like, you know, say, oh, so I hear you have a problem or whatever the line was. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they fully fleshed that out because they did have to switch actors. Yeah, and so then, Incredible Hulk bombed really, really bad. Yeah, and then you also have... Um, how is this Hulk going to be a little, is this Hulk going to be different from the Incredible Hulk? Hulk? Um, and so I think now that they have established Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner and Hulk, that they are going to be able to flesh him out just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Plus seeing people actually liking Hulk and Bruce Banner. Um, you know, he's not just the angry green guy who smashes things like and only knows a few phrases it's as we got in infinity war uh, that like he was like no i'm not doing any more fighting i just want to break and bruce having to come to terms with hulk is his own entity even though they share a body um right as they say in supernatural meat suit because yeah (laughs) they do technically have two different bodies but like um but I also so my question is if it was possible because She-Hulk was set in California yeah I think so and Daredevil is set in New York would you ever want to see like a mini series or something where Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters are just like battling it out legally, whether it's like fake scenarios, like what um, lots of people do for uh, law school, or like doing like a uh, L Woods type of like Supreme Court type prosecution and like 
court case um, where they have to battle it out against each other and do that like a few different cases. But then them going back and being like, okay, but like, we've got all these quips against each other. Like there's this big chemistry. Oh, by the way, my dad still wants to talk about having kids, even though we've only gone on like no dates and just have slept together. Um, would you want to see that type of show? Uh, it's conflicting for me because one, I love Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters together, but knowing that they're in the same kind of business together and that they will eventually run head to head into each other again. Um, I'm not sure because I kind of want them as like the happy couple together, but I kind of also want to see them go head to head in court because it's two brilliant minds hashing out a disagreement. And at that whole episode is my favorite episode because of how interesting that concept is. So it's a 50-50 bag for me. It would just depend on who is writing the series, who is directing it, and if there's an end goal. Because I don't want to just see the series with them going at, at it back and forth, back and forth, and the big revelation of the series is that they break up. Oh, wow. How obvious, because they live in completely two different parts of the country. Real interesting. Um, I think if we already saw if we saw that series, we'd already know what the end game of it would be. That's my only fear with it. But I feel like I think that Jennifer Walters likes Matt Murdock more because he challenges her not only like her ability as a lawyer, but like her brain is challenged too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that whole intelligence against intelligence, but it's also, it's not just like the book intelligence, it's the like street smart savvy intelligence as well to mm -hmm. be able to be like, uh, hang on, let's, you know, rewind. And um, like her, like their quips about um, when they went into the building um, and she's like, I'm not waiting 30 minutes up here on this roof for you to decide to finally take down all these bad guys in stealth mode. And he's like, yeah, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> well, and then he goes, uh, you need to recheck your math there because that's not how that ends up. But that was just like a constant between the two of them. So I honestly think that it wouldn't be that they break up. It would, I think it, that they would be the couple that would be able to do the long distance because it's not like um, they are Thor and Jane. I haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder yet, so don't come at me for that. Okay. Um, but like where they're on two different worlds that literally need a portal to get to each other mm -hmm. because it's also time-space continuum. Um, and, you know, Earth doesn't have the technology of Star Trek yet where like they can just zoom anywhere they want. Um, but so I think that they would be able to make it work. I think it would just be like, it would be the fun relationship for a while, especially because they are both superheroes. Mm -hmm. So then they both understand that they have other responsibilities and they wouldn't be able to truly come together until some big catalyst event that happens that requires them to be in the same place for a long period of time. Right. 
So I think that would be more if they did a type of show between Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters, it would be more like, you know, them meeting up every few months because he's taking a pro bono case or her client at the law firm is this like multimillionaire, but oh, they can't leave New York. So she's got to fly out to New York to house kitchen and, you know, t- that type of thing. Yeah. Um, more than like, yes, we're in a serious relationship together. That's not as feasible, but just right, right. professions outside of being human and lawyers. Mm-hmm. So um, if trying to think of like how to phrase this, if the show had one more episode that they were able to stretch the series out we're not adding anything after the series finale um we're just adding a 10th episode so that we could have stretched something else out within the series if we had a 10th episode what moment during the other nine episodes would you have liked to dive deeper into hmm um i I think I'd like a little bit more of a dive on uh what was the evil billionaire's name? Was it Todd, right? Oh yeah. I would like to know just why. Why did you steal She Hulk's blood and do that whole thing, the whole big mystery for the series? I would have just liked the a why did you do that? Because when he revealed that, I'm like, okay, that's like the plot of every other Hulk comic book. Why did you do that? And he's like, just because I could. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I I get it. Male privilege and stuff like that. I get it. Would have just like, I hope I would have hoped it was like to raise an army of super hulks or, you know, something a little bit more comic booky than just male privilege. Um, a little bit more of an explanation on that one. How about you? Um, and I suddenly can't remember her name, but the superhero villain anti-hero oh titania uh, titania thank you um she i would have liked to expand that relationship more because i feel like there were a lot of parts missing or like pieces missing that Yo, made how, did, how did she get her powers how what happened well, not so much that as much as like okay so you know jen walters defeated you in a courtroom when you were trying to attack people that's gonna make you hate her you know make her you're making her your nemesis now like yeah. I feel like there was something else in there that we didn't get and so I think that would be interesting because then you know Titania also takes the She-Hulk name um she goes to the wedding and then you know it's just like oh well I don't want to fight you as Jennifer Walters because this is just pathetic like mm-hmm. Like okay, so you were originally like a social media star. Now you have powers. Like there was just something that wasn't fully connecting. It was very jumbled. Like in the comics, that uh, She Hulk and Titania they were best friends until She Hulk got her powers, and then Titania stole She Hulk's blood, got powers of her own, and that's how they became rivals because they they were friends, always wanting to one up each other. And I'm like. That would have been great for this show. I was like, why was that not adapted at all? 
that was Titania was a character I just did not remember until you mentioned her. And like, uh, what's the actress's name? Like Jamil something, Jamil Jamal, yeah. something like that. Great yeah. actress. I loved her in The Good Place. She was so wasted in this show. I mean, her character was so forgettable. I, well, and like, I don't know that forgettable as much as just like, you could just kind of put a veil over her because she wasn't fully necessary mm-hmm. for the show. Like, okay, you know, the first time that she showed up, was kind of necessary because then that made Jen Walters actually become She-Hulk mm-hmm. for the first time and be like, oh yeah, I got to use my powers for good and to stop this, you know, bad thing from happening. Um, but other than that, it was just kind of like she was a nuisance mm-hmm. more than anything else. And so I think if they had expanded the relationship between them to state whether they had a prior relationship, like knew each other in high school or whatever, mm-hmm. or said, oh, so, you know, all of a sudden Titania's followers are jumping over to this She-Hulk thing, even though She-Hulk doesn't have a social media account, Jen Walters might, but, um, you know, all these fan accounts suddenly popping up for She-Hulk, which takes the I don't know. There was just something that I was like, you skipped this. I don't know what yeah. this is, but you skipped it. I and absolutely that was important. Agree with you. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I think the other thing that I didn't like was the fact that what's his name that you said? Um, oh, Todd. Yeah, Todd. That he was in charge or that he was the brains behind Intelligentsia because like he was the creepy guy that was obsessed with She-Hulk for the date but also so were most of the other guys not necessarily to the scientific level that Todd was but it was like he didn't have the brains to form Intelligentsia and to try and get her blood so to me i'm like we're missing something else right there yeah and you're just using him as a scapegoat because you need to tie it up already because you brought him back and you're like oh shit what do we do with him now um i yeah so like i feel like they kind of dropped the ball on some things Mm -hmm. but i also feel like they did a lot of other things really well for the show and i mean for TV shows, you're always going to drop the ball on things. You're always, and I mean, Marvel movies themselves have dropped the ball on things before, too. So it's just part of like the industry of writing and creating in TV and film um, that unfortunately they go, you have a time limit and this is how much time you have. So even though you have this much to say, you have to put it in this much time. Right. Um, which is why, of course, you know, everybody hates when books get adapted to movies because you got this long ass book and it's being put in two hours. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to add about our lovely show? Uh, where no. you think that she's going to pop up next or where you hope she's going to pop up next? She's already been confirmed to pop up in Captain America 4. So. That's true. That's cool. Excited for her to. I thought Tatiana Maslany was 
great as She-Hulk. Uh, the entire cast was great, and there was no really bad acting. Uh, if they make a season two, I'll be watching. Would you want season two to be longer? No, nine episodes um, is the perfect amount, I think. Um, maybe longer episodes. Instead of 30 minutes, go to like 45. That's fair. Other thing, and this was in the other Marvel series uh, too, the use of the end credit scenes or lack thereof because Marvel has become known for their end credit scenes where you sit there in the movie theater and see people leaving at the first part of the end credits and you're like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. We still got stuff to see. What? And then even the people who leave after the first clip, they're like, um. Yeah, we got one more. <laughs> there's two. Where are you going? But Marvel has been making it like some episodes have them, not all of them. Maybe one has two end credit things. Oh yeah, they blatantly lied in an interview, by the way. They said She-Hulk was going to, uh, every episode is going to have an end credit scene, which first half did, second half didn't. And that was a blatant lie. And I was kind of pissed about that. (laughs) I feel like it would have been better if they had done like what they did with Falcon and Winter Soldier, where the end credits were in the, second half of the season versus yeah. the first because you're like oh yeah by the way this is setting up the next episode versus like here's the information that we couldn't put in like what right but, so do you think marvel is feeling the pressure of having to always have an end at least one end credit scene or do you think that for their TV shows, they're like, do we need it? You know, it's a funny thing what's going on with Marvel right now. I bet Kevin Feige, I feel sorry for the entire team at Marvel right now because Marvel's being judged extremely harshly about the content that they are being put out at this moment. And I just think it's because people aren't patient and they don't know when to wait. Um, I can still find the good in anything Marvel puts out because I love their source material so much. I mean, it literally shaped my life, quite literally. That and Star Wars quite literally shaped what I am today. And I couldn't thank them enough. And I think it's because that people, uh, I think people are starting to get picky after how great Marvel has been on a track record. And I think Marvel needs to acknowledge what their audience wants. And I think or the us as the audience need to acknowledge what Marvel wants. There has to be a good balance. And I think with She-Hulk, it's starting to show because those Matt Murdock episodes were really, really good. And that was a good sense of balance right there. They were telling a story that they wanted to tell and Marvel fans were still getting fan service that they wanted to see. Um, and, you know, Werewolf by Night came out and that that was freaking amazing. I, I, I think that's my favorite thing they put on Disney Plus right now. And that was like, what, like 15 minutes like 15 minutes or something like that um but nobody's watching it right now which blows my mind and people have been clamoring for something different from marvel marvel puts out something different and people don't watch it and it, and it really rubs me the wrong way that people ask for something and then they're like a uh bratty toddler where they're like no i didn't want this kind of different i wanted this kind of different and it really rubs me the wrong way so i can't really speak on how Marvel is doing because I'm loving what they're doing so far. 
I loved Moon Knight. I loved Loki. I loved Falcon and Winter Soldier. I loved Hawkeye, even though some people didn't like those series. I adored Werewolf by Night, and I hope, I pray to God that they continue with those characters. Um, and, you know, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever looks fantastic. So does Ant-Man 3 for what we've seen. And we know after D23, they have a plan. They know what they're doing. It's just they got to find the right people to do those things. So I think my advice for people who are feeling um, anxious or even angry at Marvel at this point, I would say be patient, strap in. It's going to be a good couple of years. And, you know, the good things come to people for those who wait. That's what I like to say. I think the other point it is that Marvel spoiled us with phase three and four um, because we got those big action movies, the big screen fight scenes and, you know, um, CGI and all of that. And we got all of these heroes together. And what we're in right now, while we're technically phase five, is we're back to essentially phase one. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn all of these characters that are going to be in our big action movies and our big um, fight sequences. But we have to know who they are first before we can fully get into that. Mm-hmm. And like, while with the Avengers, you know, we didn't fully know um, Black Widow, Hulk, or um, Hawkeye. We still got set up from Iron Man and Thor and then um, Captain America. Like, we still had the introductions to the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, having the S.H.I.E.L.D. series in between, too. Like, I feel like people forget, have seriously forgotten because Marvel spoiled us so much. Yeah. That they're like, well, we just want this. Okay, but if you get that, you're going to be mad that you don't know the context. So sit down, strap in, eat your popcorn and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, I 100% so. agree with you. And I think um, people aren't used to going back to the phase one mentality. And I will say, I do have one controversial opinion. I do think Marvel missed an opportunity to end Marvel's MCU where... Uh, end game left off if they rebooted everything from the start because you know they have all their ip back they have x-men they have fantastic four they almost they pretty much have spider-man under their boot right now it's pretty fair to say um if they rebooted everything i would have also been totally fine with that um i think it would have been interesting to go back i mean we would have been starting from phase one technically from any point i mean we ended a huge story point and it it had trouble crescendoing and to like the new phase I noticed because well COVID happened COVID was a big thing that happened and kind of screwed up everything yep um but if they chose to reboot everything I you know I wouldn't have been opposed to it I mean I think they're trying to do it in a way that makes sense Mm -hmm. because I think now that they have done multiverse of madness where they had John Krasinski as uh, Mr. Fantastic. And you had Sir Patrick Stewart back as Professor X, um, that they are now able to say, well, we brought them in. We said that they exist. 
but here's how we're going to do it. And as I told my dad, every time I say, this is how they're going to bring in the X-Men, don't bring in the X-Men. Um, but I think with Miss um, Marvel, I think this is how they're going to bring in the X-Men, especially um, with saying that Kamala is essentially a mutant. That yeah, she has this family history, um, but there is something also different about her from her rest of her family. Mm-hmm. So I think Kevin Feige knows what he's doing. I trust him more than I trust Warner Brothers, um, especially with a lot of things that have happened in the past few years. Yes. Um, but I trust Kevin Feige. So uh, as always on Raving Geeks, we like to end our podcast episodes with some recommendations, whether it is books, movies, um, TV shows, anything geeky. So Carter, what have you got for us today? Uh, I am begging all of our listeners and viewers to please go see Black Adam. Please, DC needs a win, whether it's good or bad. We just needed to make money just to get Man of Steel to off the ground. I am begging everyone to go see that movie, whether it is good or bad. Please just go see that movie. Uh, I will most likely be attending uh, opening day with my friends and brother uh, if plans go through solidly. And uh, the other recommendation that I have is actually a Netflix adaption of a Stephen King story called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. I watched this movie a couple days ago and over Netflix and I watched it over our fall break and I was like, oh, this seems like a good movie. It was on my list of stuff to watch. and I watched it and I can honestly say I was blown away. I think it's Netflix's best Stephen King adaption that they've done. And I think all of the Netflix Stephen King adaptions are incredibly slept on. And I highly encourage every single one of all of our listeners and viewers to go check those out because they are great, great stories and great cinematography. And Mike Flanagan, who has been known for Hill House, Bly Manor, and all those great Netflix stories everybody loves so much, has done one of those called Gerald's Game. It's a fantastic movie. I highly recommend you all go see those. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to recommend if you are on Paramount Plus, you can watch it. It's also a CBS show. Um, it is called East New York, and it is a cop show, cop drama. But I really like how they're setting it up so far because it's showcasing the police officers that really want to make the difference and are struggling against the system that has said for so long, no, this is how we do it. And they're like, hmm, but we need to change because that's the only way things are gonna get better. Um, And I think that one, it's really good. It's only got three episodes so far. It's in the inaugural season. I'm really hoping that it gets renewed. Um, CBS, you haven't let me down fully for most of my shows. So please don't let me down with this one. Um, The other one I wanna recommend is also on Paramount Plus. And for this season, was strictly on Paramount Plus. Um, but season one was originally aired on CBS. And then COVID mm-hmm. screwed a lot of things up, including filming. Um, but it's called Blood and Treasure. 
Um, and if you like history things, like um, the first season was about Antony and Cleopatra um, and like finding the sarcophaguses and sarcophagi. I don't remember which one that is. Um, I think it's sarcophaguses. Yeah, I think so too. I know there's a reasoning and it's based on which route it is, which little like language tree it comes down. Do I remember it? No. Did I get taught it like two times? Kind of. <laughs> um, but this season, season two is about the soul of Genghis Khan. Um, and it is so good. There is so much history. Um, and yeah, it's really good. I'm really hoping that they have a season three. They could just make it a Paramount Plus series and I would be totally okay with that. But of course, it also depends on like Matt Barr because he's also part of Walker Independence now. Um, so it's still that, which is a spinoff of the Walker series with Jared Padalecki. Um, but yeah, those are my two recommendations. Um, if you guys have any questions for us, like you have a question of the week you want us to answer, or you have any topic ideas for an episode, feel free to reach out on Twitter or Facebook, um, at Raving Geeks. And if you have a TikTok and like fun TikToks, um, you can find us at Raving Geeks TikTok. And as always, um, we have been your hosts. Uh, Hope Goodall and Carter Sally. We hope that you all stay geeky and have a great weekie. See ya. See you guys later.